listening to WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston, Boston's community radio station. Hello, hello. You're listening to Never Give Up, where giving up is not an option. I'm your host, Rochelle Jones. It's definitely a pleasure to be able to uh, be here again uh, today uh, to be able to talk to you about ways and just just to have conversation around one of the most greatest things, and that's not reaching your goal, your purpose, your destiny, because you stopped too soon, because you gave up, you know. And um, <clears throat> I just had a flashback of an image when um, the the it was the bird uh, had the frog in its mouth. And he was trying to swallow the frog, but the frog's hand, uh, hands were around the throat, you know, of the bird, and so the bird wouldn't be able to swallow. So he's gonna, uh, he's gonna have to let go of, um, of the frog, or the frog had in his throat. In other words, um, it's not over until it's over. <laughs> so don't give up, you know. And. Uh, and and I know what it's like to be down and sitting in the dark and just think it's hopeless. Like no good is coming out of this. You know? And it's like, well then you're 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 telling God that he's a liar because he said all things work together for the good, right? <clears throat> he 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 told us that um what the enemy meant for your destruction, he's gonna turn it around for your good. And so, um, what is what does God mean when he tells us that, you know, when I'm weak, when I feel most hopeless, that that's when I'm strong? And you're like, what? And I, I, I've been just reading Isaiah quite a bit. Um, you know, I found find some some encouragement uh in that and um, you know, in Isaiah forty, starting at um you know, verse 28, and it says, Has thou not known? Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not and neither is weary? What a reminder to us that God is doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. He's not overwhelmed. <clears throat> He's not taken back. And that he doesn't faint, nothing overwhelms him. He created it all. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything was created by him, for him, to him. So where do we fit in this picture <clears throat> you know, and that's the thing, trying to, you know, where do we, it was, because we are so fragile, you know, and I know we try to be so tough so long, we try to pretend like we know and we don't, and we just tend to make a mess of things. We we try to give it to God, but yet we really still have it, or, you know, we just don't seem to know sometimes, but don't get don't don't get weary because God doesn't get weary. He said, "Don't get weary in well doing. You're gonna reap a reward if you faint not." 
And so how do we have fainting moments, but yet realize it's just a pause to get up again? So he tells us, he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increased strength. You might have heard it this way. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. He said, look, even the young people, they're, they're going to faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But he is my favorite. Yet those who wait upon the Lord, he's going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Hallelujah. So we, 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 we start off with these energizing <clears throat> scriptures to help remind us, to compel us that God is in control. And if he's in control, then I don't have to be. But if you don't believe that God's in control, then guess what? You're going to try to control the situation. And I mean, is that working? Trying to control everything and everybody? You know, it just reminds me like some people, how exhausting is it to be a micromanager, to not delegate, you know? And, um, you know, we feel like, you know, you're getting, we're getting older. Like we don't have succession plans. We don't have plans so that the next generation is going to be prepared because we're still in it. We're still trying to figure it out. <clears throat> so my thing is, let's figure it out together, you know, but but we've got to start, like, preparing the younger generations so that they can, um, so we can pass the baton to them. But we keep saying, you know, well, you know, they're not prepared, they're not ready, and they won't be if we don't prepare them. And when I look back sometimes, I realize, like, wow, I don't, think they know how to figure out things like we had to figure out things. Like, I don't know how to, I'm not a plumber, but if I want to save me some some money, I'm going to learn how to snake out that toilet. Uh, there's some things I may learn how to, you know, caulk my wall because I can't have a painter, you know, come in every time and compound the walls or put up sheetrock. Like some things you got to just figure out. You might have to take 50 trips to Home Depot, but you got to figure it out. But I know, like, just to change a light bulb, sometimes, you know, um, <clears throat> the same way I would get up on a ladder to get up there and change the light bulb, so can you, right? But we see our young people bypass these things. Like, they're, they're, like things are, like, uh, are, should be catered to them, right? Um, I've never met a generation that feels so entitled right? Like it, it should happen. Like you may see me with a lawn service, you know, I have landscaping service, but I didn't always have landscaping service. It was me out there shoveling and mowing the yard and cutting the hedges. And then the you tried to train the kids up and they didn't want to do it, you know? 
and for whatever reason. And so now not only do they not know how to do it, but they, 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 they hard, just hard work is not high on the priority list. I was talking to a few parents the other day and I was like, hey, do your kids have chores? Like, you know, chores. And it's easier, they said, for them to just go on and do it than to have to go and redo it. And I'm like, well, you know, they gotta, they gotta attempt. I don't, I don't care how many times, you, you know, raising a kid really takes a lot of work. <clears throat> I mean, you may have to, you know, uh, show them how to wash that plate four times, but you call them back again. Like, do you see that you still have dried up egg here? That means it's not clean. Uh, you cannot clean dishes in cold water. You're like, okay, Jones, what, what, is, what is your point? My point is if we don't start taking time to show them, and I, they're not going to want to. They're not coming willingly. They're not coming um, wanting to... <clears throat> feel like you have anything to contribute to their life. And, you know, I was talking to some 12-year-olds, and I'm just famished. Like, they think they have all the answers. They know it all. Granted, we learn. I can learn from them. But if they don't think they can learn from me, and they tune out, don't want to listen to, wow, we've got a, we've got a task on our hands. And so how do we bring the gospel to our younger generation? whose parents aren't really coming to church or they're not really sharing the faith with them. And there's become this huge disconnect where at least we we knew we were dragged to church. We sat there like two services a Sunday, came back on Wednesday. And, and even though we did it grudgingly, there was power in the doing it because we had knowledge. We did see, you know, some form of transformation. We didn't like it, you know? And it's like, um, I, I don't know. I'm like David. I, I almost fainted until I came to the house of the Lord. It's like, I, there are some situations that drive you to church. You just got to go back. You just got to go. But <clears throat> here's what I would like our pastors to kind of know, is that I don't want to get up on Sunday, right? Get dressed Managed to get down there, and, and there's no, no power, no anointing, no change. The Bible says that the anointing breaks the yokes, like, right? It's like, wow, there's so many yoked up people, yoked up to the wrong stuff, yoked up to the wrong people. And the anointing of God, the Word of God, demolishes all of that demonic activity. But if there's no power in the house, then it's not. It's, they just went. The church is like, like sitting a stuffed animal on the front row of your of your pew. That's how much impact if we do not um, have power, you know. And and I like I like um, what Paul said. I, I didn't come here with enticing words, amen. He said, but I came with power and demonstration. Like I'm not. And that's the thing. I mean, our young people need to see power. They need to see love. They need to see something different, something working, right? If they see you going to church every Sunday and yet you can't, your marriage is collapsing or, you know, you're, you're cursing or you're living so close to the world that there's no differentiation. Mm, big word. We're not set apart, it's like there's no standard. The home of a Christian 
<clears throat> and the home of the non-Christian can almost look the same, but my Bible tells me that we are in the world and not of the world. You know, I'm striving to have a talk show here. Well, we're in this world, but we're not of it. Meaning, we, we've been set apart. We have a new mindset. We have a new, we're citizens of a new kingdom now, the Bible tells us. But I look over and it just seems like it's the norm to kind of do this. And I, I get having fun, but when does the standard of the word of God shift and become more worldly? Wow. It used to be in the day, you got to admit it, that you could tell a set-apart Christian. Oh, you called them holy rollers. You said, and then they started making statements like, well, it doesn't take all that. You can raise your dress just like you raised pants. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you just wear dresses every Sunday or, or you have those little bonnets on your head. And, and they began to make fun of the church. But what they didn't realize is they were breaking down a modest standard. They're simply saying we're trying to do uh, to be set apart from the world so that we don't look like the world. We don't sound like the world. We don't listen to the same worldly music. We don't we don't do the same types of things that are going to open the door to the enemy. And so now what we have is more open doors. I remember the struggle I was having when I was raising my children and my, my son wanted to listen to R. Kelly. But yet there was so much at the time controversy about about this young man and the songs that he was singing. And just because he had some nice songs or what we quote unquote say were church kind of songs, like he saved me or um, uh, there was another one he had. Uh, I can't think of it, but you know, and, and so, but yet he had so many other ones that were not so nice. Right. But when you open the door to let our Kelly in, then you know, those two nice songs. We just think about the album. You know, let's let's say the average album might have twelve songs. He may have one or uh one or two out of the twelve. Then there's ten others that are not nice. And they're feeding off of that same ten songs, you know? And so what is the messaging? And we have to begin to track it. Because there was what there should be no shame in us saying that I am a born again believer, that I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the power of God, the gospel, and yet we blend it in so much, like the world. We even brought in, you know, songs, you know. It's like people do people don't get saved by just the word of God alone. You know, and and, and the, do people just get saved because they heard the story of Christ and they realize that Christ came to pay a debt they can never pay? Or do we have to have like, you know, um things to draw people? But the problem with that is and it is good but what happens when we can't keep drawing you with ping pong and, you know, all these different programs and things? What happens is the people didn't come for Christ. They came for the dinner or they came for the movie night. And now if you don't keep that up, then you'll see a decline in the attendance. 
that it really wasn't about coming for prayer, you know. And so what happens? That you have a prayerless church? I, I remember what people said, you know, that, that prayer was taken out of the school. But as long as you had believers and praying people in the school, I guess you really still had prayer, people praying. I remember working in the school system. I'd anoint the chairs. I'd pray in the room. I'd try to shift that atmosphere before those students came in. You know, but the main problem is I don't expect prayer to really be in the school, but I do expect it to be in the church, and I do expect it to be in your home. So what about that? What about where is prayer in your home? Praying as a family. Where is prayer in, you know, in the church? Like who's showing up? We used to have Friday night uh, prayer meetings, only be three people, right? And so the same three people. So prayer didn't seem like it was high on the priority list. So we got to get back to the basics, right? We got to get back to <laughs> uh, the, the, the place that God really has for us. You know, we've got to get back to being obedient, right? We got to make sure that we got to stop the gossiping, no, uh, the, the ungodly conversations, you know, our, our thoughts. We, we've got to make sure that we are checking those areas where the enemy hides in, where he loves to show up in, right? And so we've got to begin to really guard those things. What is my thinking? How is my thinking? What am I listening to? Really, you know what I'm saying? The gateways, the eyes. The ears, what we say, what are we saying? What is our talk? You know, are we guarding our heart? Are we just letting everything in? What about what we look at, our eyes? Are we watching the appropriate things that are going to help build us, that are going to help strengthen us? And I realize that <clears throat> when, when, when we are most on fire is when we are in the presence, in the midst of doing those things. I, I, I'm guarding my eyes. I'm not watching all types of things on television. I'm guarding what I listen to. I'm not allowing negativity or what people have to say about other people who are not in the room to, to go into my ears. I'm not speaking uh, lifeless things because we are going, and I have to remind myself, and I'm reminding you that we are going to have to give an account for every every idle word spoken, an idle word is a word that does not bring life. That word that um, is a killer, right? Things that we just say nonsensically. They're not said in faith. They're not said that it's not going to produce anything, you know. And so we we we've got to watch those things. Hallelujah. And by doing that we then um, will see ourselves getting stronger, right? We'll see ourselves being more on fire. The enemy will be less able to penetrate a focused person who has their armor on, right? I mean, their, their, their thinking is powerful. Their thinking, you know, thoughts that are supernaturally driven by God. Hallelujah. 
and we're taking time to even listen. I'm like, if I'm going to pray, I do like 10, 10, you know, you can keep doing it. Just 10, 10. I'm going to pray 10 minutes. I'm going to listen 10 minutes. I'm going to pray another 10 minutes. I'm going to listen another 10 minutes. But I've got to get in some equal listening time as well. That I just can't be talking and praying, God, ba 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 ba, and I'm not still enough, long enough to let him speak. I, that is something that I am trying to discipline myself to even get stronger in, that I take more time to hear what God has to say. Say to me, hallelujah. Woo. I mean, it's not easy, right? Well, you might ask yourself, I, I, you know, I have a, you know, and I didn't even mean for this conversation even to be about prayer, but I see maybe that's where the Holy Spirit is kind of moving and shifting us, me towards. You know, you might ask yourself, well, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I, I can't seem to pray. Why can't I pray? Well, you know, a lot of times sin separates us from God. And we, when we're separated from God, you, you, don't, you don't want to talk as much, maybe, you know? It's like when you went through—I went through a, a, a when, separation, right? And, you know, you don't really want to talk to the person. You're mad. You don't want to talk. And I'm not saying you're mad at God, but what I'm saying is that sometimes when we're in sin, we're less driven to want to be in prayer until we get that right, right? Sometimes when we are bombarded by the enemy, we don't always get in position to pray because we're taking blows, we're taking blows, you know? And so it's hard to be taking blows. You know, can you imagine, like, I'm, we went paintballing, and those, the paint, pop, 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 pop. They were just coming. And I was like, what? They were firing those paintballs so fast to where it was impossible to leave behind the barrier without getting hit. So you end up staying there, not moving. But the whole object is to get to the other end. But if you're hiding behind the little barricade, so you, you know, pop, 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 the very sound, the enemy can make sounds to make you not move. You know, he'll make fear grip you to where you won't get to the other side. And sometimes we have to just pray, Lord, you have to push back the enemy. Help me to not see him, hear him in any way. Because sometimes he, we, he, is, like, he is like a roaring lion seeking to devour who he may. So sometimes he's not even in the room. He's in my thoughts. He's in my head, Is you know. And so we've got to um, ask, and through prayer, we can ask the Lord to help <clears throat> excuse me, to help us and to deliver us, <clears throat> to give us some form of relief, to deliver us, you know? So we just have to stay faithful with the things that God is saying and doing for us. We got we to gotta just keep praying, you know? So we got to keep walking in the power that God has given us, you know? I'm just taking a pause. I've seen a lot of faces, and I've been a lot of places. But the one thing 
I can depend on is through this lonely hour, this very lonely hour, God whispers and says, child, you're not alone. Sometimes we have to realize that God is with us and we just got to be bold to step out. We have to be bold to just step out on a limb. We have to be bold to, you know what? I'm going to walk in joy no matter what. I, I, I know I'm pressed on every side, but I'm, I'm going to walk in joy. I know that everything is coming against me, but I'm, I'm going to hold on and walk in joy. I'm going to learn how to maintain this joy that God has given me. I can't walk depressed and oppressed. Amen. And as the song said, that this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. So if the world didn't give it to you in the first place, the world can't take it away. The enemy can't take what God has given unless you allow it. Allow him to, right? And so, therefore, we've got to not allow the enemy to come in. We've got to be able to, to, to hear the voice of the Lord when he says, shift. No, move over here. Go over there. And so it's up to us. We've got to, we've got to, we really have to get a handle on it. We really have to know who we are so that we can model it because our young people are watching so that we can pass the baton, not in weakness. We don't want to pass them something that's been broken up, that's been, that's fallen apart. We want to hand them something that, that they can run on with, that they can take it to the next level. And we're talking about going to the next level. We're not talking about giving up. We're not talking about broken legacies. We're talking about being able to make a stand on the structure. And that's the problem is that we haven't had nothing. And, and, you know, and so therefore we've had nothing to really pass to anyone. And so we, the next generation didn't have anything to build upon. And those that did, they either squandered, squandered it, misused it, um, didn't really know uh, how to to grow it. So we must teach. We must train. Train up a child in the way they should go, and in the end, they won't depart. And so we got to, to train up. We've got to be prepared to begin to help our young people find out who, who they are and to help them know whose they are so they can walk in their destiny. That's time out. I just want to say it's um, it's a blessing that we've got to stay focused. We've got to stay steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You've been listening to Never Give Up, where giving up is not an option. I'm your host, Rochelle Jones. Tell a friend about uh, our radio talk show. And um, once again, you can always email us at nevergiveupnow777 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and tell us what you think about the show. God bless.